0: Hello, Hello, this is Luke Haskell, your host tonight on the Four Persons radio program. It's going to be trial by fire tonight. Uh, John Benko, who uh, has produced these uh, uh, programs, is sick. And uh, I was going to do a dialogue with John. And uh, I'm hoping it's not going to turn into a monologue tonight, but we could do that too. I have somebody who's uh, on their way home right now to get on the radio. And that person is uh, uh, Luis uh, Ogando, who's another Catholic apologist. And when we get, when he gets here, he could co-host the program. So, since he's not here yet, I want to go ahead and uh, start where we left off. Last week, John and I were talking about faith in relationship to obedience to the faith. And we were going into detail on things like the the concept of... Uh, what the the covenant is and how God requires obedience to this covenant. So the difference between faith alone and obedience to the faith is a covenant lived. When Christ says, this is my blood of the new covenant, do this in memory of me. This, this uh, is not a request. It's part of our, our commandments to do this in memory of me or participate in the true Passover for the world. Uh, When I was talking to John, we were talking about um, bringing the church fathers in and looking at how the church fathers and we're going to do that. But what I wanted to do first is I want to go a little bit deeper into the concept of the faith and the difference of how Protestants see it and how Catholics see it. Uh, I do so due to a history of first proving the doctrines to myself, including prayer in the process. And it is hard for people to see the bigger picture when they are simply isolated to a few verses in a Protestant tradition of anti-Catholicism, understanding, it was Irenaeus, who was a disciple of uh, Polycarp, was a disciple of John the Apostle, who explained that understanding comes from understanding God's covenants with man and how those covenants are fulfilled. Scripture, when properly visualized in its spiritual reality, is a, is, it's a seamless fabric. It's, you know, it's, it's a love story between a perfect groom and an imperfect bride. We hear through the pages of the scripture, I will spouse you to me in justice. I will spouse you, you to me forever. I will call those who were not my people, my people, and they shall say, thou art my God. It's a love story where Augustine explains the cross was basically a marriage bed and the consummation of a marriage. When Jesus said it is consummated, this was a marriage between God and man. You have to see the the true image of the first and second century church as a starting point. The body of Protestant faith was developed in a process of separating people from 1500 years of truth. When this is the goal, combined with human nature, you always move further and further from truth. Excuse me here. I'm testing the mic because I don't see anything coming up that's telling me that I'm actually putting out information. (laughs) So, like I said, this is going to be trial and error. So... On the software I see here, it's it's not telling me whether the mic is working or not. So I'm going to keep on going, and hopefully that it's God's will that we're actually live, and I'm giving the message I want to give. Like I said, you have to see the true image of the first and second century church as a starting point. The the body of the Protestant faith was developed in a process of separating years of truth uh, I don't mean this to sound to be cruel but I mean to be truthful and you, know, you cannot have unity of faith you cannot have people coming together without a union of truth uh, when, this is, when this is the goal when the goal is, is, is this separation uh, in the minds of the original reformers combined with human nature You always move further and further from truth. This is why modern Protestantism does not only look different from the faith, the apostles and their disciples, but it's actually worlds apart from it. Besides faith in Jesus as God who went to the cross and rose again, there are very few connections to the apostolic church. This is actually a sad state because when you create a new doctrine in fallen nature, such as faith alone and scripture alone. Uh, since it is created by man, it will always end up in entropy. Entropy in the in the uh, sense that we, we will go from organization to disorganization, and this disorganization has no has has no stop sign. So it just, due to man's fallen nature, it just moves further and further from what is the truth. And this is why the, you know, the Protestant churches of today, they wouldn't even be recognized by, you know, the original so-called reformers, such as uh, Luther, or Calvin, or, or Knox, Uh Calvin actually thought there is uh, no salvation outside the church and says we must, you know, participate in the Eucharist. Uh, and uh, he believed that uh, these sacraments were an essential part of faith. The farther back you go, the closer you get to the truth. And the farther back you go, the more Catholics Catholic, this schematics look. But we can go to the fathers for a minute here in the beginning of our discussion, so we can touch on the father's understanding by also looking at how Jerome defined faith and works, which we'll confirm further on in our talk as the biblical understanding It looks like Louis O'Connell is going to be with us shortly, too. Uh, Jerome writes, But since in the law no one is justified before God, it is evident that the just man lives by faith. It should be noted that he does not say that a man, a person, lives by faith, lest it be thought that he is condemning good works, Rather, he says, the just man lives by faith. He implies, therefore, that whoever will be faithful and will conduct his life according to the faith can in no other way arrive at the faith or live in it except first he be a just man, a pure life, coming to the faith by certain degrees. So the just man lives by faith because you cannot live in the true nature of faith without being a just man. Take into consideration that the the Gentiles uh, in in the apostolic church were never under Mosaic law as the letter letter of the law. They they had uh, an idea in their heads due to, you know, uh, things like uh, the natural law but they knew nothing of Mosaic law. They never killed a bull and were never sprinkled with its blood as a sign of this blood oath where breaking the oath is separation from God, an oath which requires atonement through blood in order to correct the separation. Jerome says one needs to adjust their lives according to the faith. Jerome believed the Catholic faith. So Jerome is saying one needs to adjust their lives according to the Catholic faith. This idea of coming to the faith by certain degrees shows us this transforming process in the sacramental life uh, that we discussed last week. Uh, This could also have been the foundation of the teaching structure of the church. An example would be how from very early on, The Mass was separated into two parts, the liturgy of the Word and the liturgy of the Eucharist. Those who were not yet baptized in the church, well, they were asked to leave after the liturgy of the Word. They did not yet reach the degree of understanding of faith needed for participation in the liturgy of the Eucharist, which needed to be taught after the teaching of the deity deity of Christ was established. You see in the history, they protected these mysteries as most sacred things, as most sacred things in the universe. In their thinking process, they were also most likely influenced by paganism to the point where clear distinctions between Trinity and paganism needed to be taught. Paganism even had triune gods and food of the gods to become one with the God, tabernacles of the gods. It had queen mothers as fecundity goddesses. Uh, uh, clarity between Satan's deceptions and truth had to be taught. Uh, there's in the in the the uh, encyclopedia, uh, Cambridge Encyclopedia, explain that the uh, early uh, pagans, when they saw Christians, they were pretty confused because they saw Christians as cannibals and magicians. So they saw Christians falsely, not understanding the Eucharist and partaking of the glorified body of Christ. And they were completely bewildered by all of these so-called cannibals, all all these miracles that were happening around them. Uh, across the history of the early church, you see all sorts of miracles. You see saints raising people from the dead. And of course, along with this line, it's, it's all united to uh, the uh, obedience of the faith, living the sacramental life, living a pure life. So and just mar- Justin martyrs, first apology could be summed up as Satan created paganism to keep people from Catholic truth. Justin Martyr was around about 158 AD. And he uh, was first a pagan and uh, he was searching for truth and uh, came to the conclusion that uh, the Catholic faith was the true for, the true church. Uh, he showed that it had the ring, the ring of truth. Uh, Satan created paganism, uh, 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 basically, in the key people from Catholic truth. So, as I've explained in an earlier discussion, uh, the Didache, which was written probably about 70 AD, it's uh, known as the Teaching of the Apostles, it gives us the earliest reference to what Jesus meant when he said, give not what is holy to the dogs, the Didache explains that no one is to receive the Eucharist until they are first baptized into the church because Jesus said, Do not give what is holy to the dogs. Uh, this right here is one of the earliest examples of what was known as the discipline of the secret. So you know, there's time periods in the historical records of, of Christianity where when the church fathers were talking to people in their letters and they knew the letters took a long time to get from one place to another and they knew the letters could be intercepted, then they would use words like symbol when it came to the Eucharist. And there were other times when there was direct letters between them and the catechumens they would use the words, the flesh of Christ. And so this uh, development in this discipline of the secret comes from Christ himself saying, do not give what is holy to the dogs. They are given the most sacred mysteries of the universe and veiled the scriptures. Therefore, Paul writes to the church at Corinth If her gospel be veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. It was veiled to those outside the church. It was veiled to the Jews. It was veiled to uh, the pagans, obviously. I think this is Lewis coming on now. So I'm going to go ahead and bring this person with this specific phone number. uh on onto our uh our radio here.
1: Hello. It's me, brother. Uh, it's me, brother. I'm sorry about that.
0: Oh no no problem, Hello? Lewis. No problem, Lewis. You you're my lifesaver. <laughs> like like I was <laughs> like I gave in my introduction is kind of a trial by air. You know, uh John's sick and, and uh I hope everybody uh keeps keeps him in their prayers. And uh, but at the same time, John is sick. Uh, John gave me the opportunity because of uh, how overworked he is to uh, start hosting the show, and this is uh, it's, my it's first an show, honor actually hosting it.
1: It's definitely an honor, and um, you definitely know what you're doing.
0: Well, John, uh, you know. You've been beautiful in our conversations and messaging. I I could just feel you know God's love in you. But uh, could you give a little bit of background of who you are and what you've been doing lately? Me? Yes.
1: I've been expanding our membership for the and spreading the gospel. I mean, I'm a young Catholic apologist. I defend the faith whenever the faith needs to be defended, especially online. Um, Like, um, especially against Protestants, which are the main enemies of Catholicism. It's sad that, you know, despite we both call ourselves Christians, this has to happen, but ultimately it's not the fault of the Catholic Church that it did happen. You know, all throughout history I've learned that there have been people that have left the church thinking that they know more about the church. And, um, at the end, those people eventually disappear completely on their own, or eventually return back to the faith, and Protestantism is no different. So yes, I'm a Catholic apologist, I'm a Knight of Columbus, I'm a man of the Catholic Church which Christ started. And, um yeah, okay, John.
0: Uh, I want to go ahead and, and go into our format for tonight, and... Uh, Uh, Where I left off, uh, with this image Jerome provides, separating Mosaic law from charity, we'll begin to see how even when Clement says we are saved by faith, not works, uh, this is something Protestants always try to use against Catholicism. He's not referring to faith as modern Protestant, Protestant understands faith. He understands faith according to a covenant relationship. And he, like Paul, never said faith alone. And, of course, as we discussed uh, last week, John, uh, John Bacon and I, there, there's no Catholic doctrine saved by works only. This is kind of uh, an argument that is produced, even though it's, it's, it's a nonsensical argument. Paul tells us when he writes in his letter to the Church of Galatia, uh, uh, well, let, let's first give context here. Uh, in many parts of this letter, he is addressing Jews in the church who are falling back into the letter of Mosaic law and ceremony and not understanding the spiritual reality as being fulfilled in the laws written on our hearts in the Mass. Uh, he tells the, uh, the Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit is charity, joy, peace, patience, benignity, goodness, longanimity, mildness, faith, modesty, content, uh, contingency, chastity, against such there is no law. And they are Christ, and they that are Christ's have crucified their flesh with the vices of concupiscence. When Paul's here, he's referring to the Mosaic law, the boast of the baptized Pharisees that uh, at the Council of Jerusalem, Uh, These Pharisees were trying to get the Gentiles, you know, to uh, continue in this mosaic law. Galatians 5.22, Paul is showing the contrast between the letter of the law and a truly virtuous life, which is the foundation of Christianity. Of course, in many of these verses, we are going to end up repeating some themes, but calling them to mind, we... Uh, Will help develop the bigger picture I'm attempting to convey. We'll, uh, we'll begin to build it up in layers here. Paul says, longanimity, meaning long suffering with patience and endurance. The same Paul says, but I chastise my body and bring it into subjection, lest perhaps when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast aw- become cast away. Uh, so Paul is, is also talking about suffering as part of living in the truth and understanding the Holy Spirit. Again, here we see the word concupiscence or that propensity as creatures of fallen nature to fall into sin, which would include separating from the truth through free will, or denying truth as, as it is revealed to the soul in order to live according to our own passions. Do you have a comment here, uh, John? Bill Lewis?
1: Yes, I do. Um, sorry. Um, I'm just going back from my break. Um Oh no problem. what you said. Well, um, well, well, the like I said, I appreciate
0: and... how, how, uh, how you ran home.
1: <laughs> um, but I do apologize for this, especially for the first show you're doing on your own. <laughs> But I do have a comment, going back to what you said about him saying we're saved by faith. And, you know, you also pointing out the whole in Protestant's logic with um, the strawmanning of this specific church fathers. And honestly, they do like to strawman the church fathers a lot. Like, uh, a lot of them like to also use... Um, we are talking about St. Jerome, the same man that, you know, did the translation in... For scripture, correct? Yes. Did I just throw him and in the same ways claiming that um, he wanted a 66 book canon? When that, actually, if you study the rest of his life, he defended the seven Deuterocanonical books. So it's not new that what God is doing with St. Jerome. It's not new at all. But yes, it's like going back to what you said, it's not safe alone. Um, he, ever said, he never said safe alone. And, um, That's evidence because he completely and strongly advocated sacraments, and the sacraments is you know something that the church teaches according to what the Bible says and you know God's oral words, sacred tradition that play a role in our in our salvation. So Saint Jerome teaching sacramental salvation shows you that he did not believe in what the Protestant version of faith by itself.
0: Yeah, definitely. He advocated
1: for for confessions of sin, for baptism. Um, he advocated for the Eucharist. He was, you know, anyone that um, has has read Saint Jerome and denies that he advocated for the Eucharist is not being honest at all.
0: Well, the early so church. So that
1: shows but, you. Go ahead. Go ahead. So go that ahead. shows you that. Um, he did not believe in the Protestant
0: um, faith doctrine of faith alone no 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 not, not even close. uh the early church understood that being crucified with Christ is our spiritual bath, a rebirth into the flesh of Christ. This is far from faith alone. This comes through our baptism into a life of obedience to the faith and the sacramental life. This is an act of obedience through love of God, even to be baptized. You would not see the sacraments across the New Testament and lived in the earliest records of Christianity if this was not true. It makes faith alone impossible and not even logical. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says that he was crucified the Christ. And in the end of the next chapter, he explains how, when he says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized in Christ have put on Christ There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free, neither male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you are the seed of Abraham, heirs according to the promise. So we enter this promise that Abraham fulfilled through baptism. We'll go into baptism in detail later in in probably another interview. But for our purposes here, I simply want to place it in the context of living obedience to the faith, since a lot of Protestants think it's just, you know, getting wet. We understand this death and rebirth through baptism by expanding our, our you know, our vision to see the life of the early church. Uh, to the Colossians, uh, uh, the Colossian church, Paul writes, and you are filled in him who is dead of all principalities and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision not made, made by hand in despoiling of the body of the flesh, but in the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism in whom also you are risen again by the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him up from the dead. Uh, Jesus is buried or placed in the tomb because he was crucified and died. Paul has given us the imagery of the spirituality of what occurs in baptism. Paul is telling the church that was previously baptized in our baptism is a spiritual crucifixion and exorcism, and dying to the atom of flesh and rising the atom of spirit. This is just the beginning of, of the true nature of being born again. Uh, faith alone is a diabolical deception that separates people from this spiritual reality of these things. The separation actually occurs through a separation from uh, that, that, that phrase, obedience to the faith. So this obedience is the narrow road that contains the tools against concupiscence. And as God told us, why it is the road that leads to destruction. In scripture, when we see the word the way, this was not the name of the original church. It was living obedience to the faith and the sacramental life, living the new covenant. Blood of the eternal God needed. Go ahead.
1: And they try to make poor arguments to get around these sacraments that just historically and biblically completely fail. Um, like with the Eucharist. And even even people as blind as Luther, even he understood that the real presence was real. And I just learned that from a Lutheran myself, but um, his Protestant rivals didn't see it that way. But even then, all of Christianity understood the Eucharist to be a literal thing, not a metaphor. And scripture addresses this very clearly. I think you and I spoke about it the last time, if not John. Um, Paul Paul um, clarified it. He said it himself. Is, is this not the, the body and blood of Christ? And he also told it to the Jews and uh, when the Jews were repulsed by the idea. Defend the Jews, for example, they reacted with... Um, disgust and shock that Christ was, you know, and the apostles were passing down his body shows that it's not a metaphor. Um their reaction was a big clue. They wouldn't have reacted like with this surprise and shock if, if it was something metaphorical.
0: Yes, and it's it's impossible To have salvation without the Holy Mass, which is the true Passover for the world. Therefore, the Eucharist has to be true. We as Catholics understand this because we live it. We understand the blood of an eternal God needed to be spilled. Because as Thomas Aquinas explained, the greater the one you sin against, the greater the sacrifice must be. Since we sin against an infinite God, a presentation of an infinite sacrifice on earth as it is in heaven, was put in place through grace given freely. We're saved through grace given freely. Of course, it is Jesus who, as our one mediator, who mediates the sacrifice of the Father through the flesh of his own body, which is the church on earth, the united to the church in heaven. We see this in Hebrews 12, 22. The whole thing just explodes. Uh, but in the body of Christ and the royal priesthood is part of the way uh, for our Protestant listeners, I should emphasize that this is not sacrificing Christ over and over again, but spiritual participation through Christ in the one sacrifice of Calvary through an unbloody memorial God called all Christians to keep in obedience to the faith.
1: But yet they don't see it that way. And um, it's a lack of historical and biblical Knowledge that leads them to believe these things. that um, They attack us, for example. You have Christ um, still on the cross when he resurrects. That is a reminder of his sacrifice. It's not that we don't acknowledge the resurrection. And um, yeah. It goes, also goes back to their heresy of not having graven images, but even that was contextual. But that's a, another discussion. I'm sorry if I'm derailing
0: yeah it's it's when you're raised in a certain environment and you believe that the Holy Spirit is is present in your environment, then a lot of times you believe that what you've been taught, your the scripture interpretation you have been taught is influenced by the Holy Spirit and uh, it's it's an emotional response and yes, I believe the Holy Spirit you know comes comes upon Protestants. But outside of the pillar and foundation of truth, which is the church, Mount Zion, the reestablished kingdom of David, the Holy Spirit is primarily a manifestation of God's love, not an affirmation of God's truth. If, if this were not true, then everybody would have the same faith as the disciples of the apostles who lived the Catholic faith. Let's look at, at a couple of verses referring to the way. So I can explain this further to our audience and uh, we'll link it to obedience to the faith. In Acts 9-2, uh, uh, Luke tells us, and asked of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any men and women of this way, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Here Saul, uh, when he's a Pharisee, who later become Paul, identified Christians by a specific faith and practice, the way, not a name of a practice. In Acts 19.23, we see that uh, it reads about the time there arose, no little disturbance concerning the way. And A faith and practice is how you identify specific groups. A faith and practice through all generations back to Christ is how you identify the true church. Acts 19.23 is not in the context of a name of a church, but in the context of practice. a practice Christians were living. Living the religion ritual of the new covenant is the way God established. So when Paul explained that it was a job to bring about obedience to the faith, he's referring to obedience to the faith in the way. The true faith and practice of Christianity of the universal church. Acts shows us a summation of the way when Luke writes and they're preserving in the doctrine of the apostles and in the communication, the breaking of the bread and the prayers. The early church had a clear understanding that even confession was part of the way. In confession, the spiritual blood is applied for atonement at the moment of absolution in the name of the Trinity. Uh, We we can read in the Didache, written about 70 A.D., which uh, I consider this to be the proto-catechism of the Catholic Church. It's just it's just, just an amazing book.
1: The Didache, but, uh, go ahead. The Didache definitely is, and it just makes so much sense. And it's apostolic, too. It's been proven to come from the apostles. Um, it explains scripture, so yes, um, we can definitely agree on that. And you know what the funny thing is? Despite it being historically proven... To come from the apostles, you know, and be it being valid, it's rejected by Protestants, but not by the yeah, Catholic it, Church or even the Eastern Orthodox.
0: Yeah, it's kind of funny, but uh, you had the Protestants who put down a catechism when basically we're, where our catechism comes from the uh, the the example of the Apostolic Church, but in the, in, in the case is confess your sins in church. And do not go up to your prayers with an evil conscience. This is the way of life. It says, on the Lord's day, gather together, break bread, and give thanks after confessing your transgressions so that your sacrifice may be pure. In the letter of Barnabas, dated to before 130 A.D., this possibly goes back to about 74 A.D., it says, you shall judge righteously, you shall not make a schism. You shall pacify those that contend, by bringing them together, you shall confess your sins. You shall go to prayer and you have a conscience. This is the way of light. Uh, you shall not go to prayer. They were dedicated to the doctrine and the breaking of the bread and the prayers, which is the liturgy of the Eucharist and the Mass. Paul refers to this when he, he says we need to present ourselves as a living sacrifice or a sacrifice of a pure heart, pure heart before going to prayer. So the way is the opposite of faith alone. It's a complete system of belief, doctrine, doctrine from which we get the word dogma, dogmata, uh, including the communion, the breaking of the bread, and the prayers, which from the beginning of Christianity, this is understood as the liturgy of the Eucharist and the Holy Mass. Uh, doing so, uh, living the way, is obedience to the faith on this road nation. Paul shows us this transformation as a process when he writes to the church at Galatia, Uh, he says, and he says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So this being transformed is a process occurring by living the way and this it, it's, it's we get these feelings as Catholics when we hear these verses about being transformed, and our faith brings us back to the Eucharist and looking what's before us, and thinking of that light from the Eucharist, uh, just just the the whole body of Christ, the Church being surrounded by it, in, in, in part of our transformation.
1: It's very blatant, and um, you don't just get the feeling that it was Catholic. The... You know it because of its teachings, and you know um, it, how it adds clarity to uh, verses in scripture. The Protestants deny, or Catholic would be like Eucharist and confession. Um, the Didache directly mentions confession through a priest, and you know it mentions the Eucharist literal. So uh, I, I would even say it, it doesn't show; it doesn't give you the feeling. It, it shows you that you know scripture is Catholic. Yes,
0: uh, I agree. Um, that's, that, that's the way we see it because we live it.
1: In addition, that's why they reject the dogmatics so much. And it's funny that, you know, it's it's beloved by Catholics and Orthodox and hated by Protestants. It's um it shows you all their their very cherry-picked logic. And I mean, um I don't know which bishop said it, but um Protestantism is the sum of all heresies. And I fully agree with that and in, in, in that because Protestantism doesn't know what it's protesting. There are, like we discussed before, um, so many internal conflicts within Protestantism because they interpret the Bible in so many different ways. Um, there's conflict over the sacraments, the Trinity, even um, there's conflicts over once saved, always saved, uh, double predestination. You pretty much name it. So. um Protestantism by, by by its creation is very very picked and you know it even goes back to Luther. Luther even tried to declare four books from the New Testament to be uninspired in addition to the seven from the Old Testament from the Old Testament. And uh, it always it always bothered me why did he try to do that but if you actually look at those four books they themselves are so blatantly catholic. Uh, revelations it shows you people in heaven interacting with those on earth before the the second coming of Christ um the the famous book of James which um Luther hated pretty much the most it teaches you that um it's not faith alone that saves you it's faith being completed by our works that saves you uh
0: yeah it's just uh it's it, it just hurts hurts my heart because I got family members who are outside the church and and uh, they believe they're living a the truth. So it's I, I believe it also it, to find the truth is is truly a grace of God, and it just it just hurts my heart because you know concerning the sacraments, I mean they're all in the Scripture, they're all in the earliest history of the Church, uh, they're all part of obedience of the faith, they're all part of the New Covenant. Christ was established. Christ established. So he's not going to give us things that we don't need. He gives us things that we need. So in this transformation, we find help against concupiscence. On the narrow road of one of the, great, the greatest helps is the grace given freely, freely of the sacrament of confession. Obedience to this is what God knows we need as creatures of fallen nature, or else he would never have said, receive the Holy Spirit who send you shall forgive or forgive him. It's a healing process that needs to be experienced in order uh, in order to even understand it. Uh, Catholics understand this and, and, and it's almost impossible to explain to a Protestant because it's it's the relief you feel afterwards you're trying to explain. So after baptism and confirmation of the Spirit it is it is next in the soul's preparation in our daily lives in order to be present in truth with the hosts of heaven, spiritually, in the true Passover, for the general redemption of the world. Scripture is a seamless fabric. Everything that God sets up for us in this way has a process of bringing us closer to God, the process of even bringing us to the, to the Eucharist in, uh, in, in truth. Therefore, Paul tells us, husbands, love your wives, and Christ, as Christ also loved the church and delivered himself up for it, that he might sanctify it, cleansing it by the lava of water and the word of life, That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Of course, the lover is baptism, which we will go into detail on a future interview. Uh, The sacraments suppress our desire to sin by understanding the power of God's mercy and love through them. At the same time, we are reminded by James that, Whoever knows the good and does not do it, for him this is sin. Again, this is, you know, the opposite of faith alone, which, you know, uh, our main focus here is is the faith versus uh, obedience of faith. So once truth is revealed to the soul, as a Christian, you cannot deny, deny that truth revealed. This is how, through humility, God leads people to the requirement of dying to self in order to truly find truth. As Jerome explained, finding truth begins with being just. There is no true faith in going against the conscience. Uh, this is the sin of omission. It is falling from grace and not running the race to win, which, you know, Paul refers to. It takes a certain level of humility to accept this, though. Uh, like I've addressed before, apostolic tradition is simply the faith that was lived in obedience to the will of God. The epistles are letters limited to specific subjects of instruction for praise or, or correction addressed to those who were baptized into the church, living the sacramental life. Uh, actually, those who participating, who are participating in the Holy Mass, who are already instructed in the faith, uh, this is obvious just due to Paul's rhetorical question, uh, talking about uh, the cup of benediction that we bless, is this not participation in the blood of Christ? The answer to the church celebrating the Holy Mass from the church the, uh, is yes. Uh, from the book, uh, The Incredible Catholic Mass by Father Martin Josham, bon we read For the Christian who reads the church fathers, this is not surprising at all. St. Hagasippius, A.D. 180, records that the apostle St. James the Less wore temple vestments and St. Polycrates of Ephesus. A.D. 196, records that my patron saint, John the Beloved Apostle, wore a primitive primitive bishop's mitre in which he was buried. Uh, uh, The the father here is saying that liturgy is not a corruption of Christianity. It's indigenous to Christianity from the beginning. We do not see these images in scripture. They were simply part of the historical faith being lived. The Bible is not a catechism.
1: And going back to showing that the Bible is Catholic, um, the Catholic Church compiled scripture. That is a fact that no Protestant can deny, just like it's the fact that all Protestants come from the Catholic Church. But going back to the, the Bible being a Catholic book, it's obvious. We were the ones that discerned um, which books were a uh, and which books were real. We gave the Bible to the world. It's a gift from us, Protestants sharing faith in history. They'll try to make things, uh, manipulate things and say, for example, the Catholic Church tried to prevent people from getting their hands on Bibles, and that is not true. In fact, we did everything we could for people to have their hands on Bibles, but we did it um, with the intention of them having the guidance of the Church and not interpreting Scripture in whatever ways their imaginations leads them to believe. And they'll try to twist and, and say that you know we try to suppress them and manipulate and um, and to try to force them to interpret things our way, but it's, it's, it wasn't with that intention. It's not about interpreting things our way. It's about interpreting things the way that history shows the church fathers, the people that knew the apostles taught the Bible, and they <laughs> don't understand that. And it goes going back to even the Didache. Um, Church fathers reference and quoted the, the Didache, showing even more its validity. Um, sorry.
0: Well, uh, this is one of the reasons why you know I decided to title the title the show: "Applying Logic to Scripture and Christian History." Uh, Christianity did not go from paganism to Protestantism. Uh, 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 the establishment of Christianity all over. The you know the known world, Uh, uh, as the apostles and their disciples spread out through the world, it went from paganism to Catholicism. Even the first bishop of Berea was a Catholic bishop. And so, when you look at this image of that time, and then you could take this image, and you could see how. Due to God's design at Pentecost, when the apostles were giving the, you know, the tongues of fire and the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues and and know all these different languages, you could sit there and you could take all these different languages and look at a graph on all these different countries that they went to and simply show how these apostles who spoke who now spoke these different languages went out into these different countries from pagans to Catholicism.
1: Exactly, we were the ones that spread the Christian faith, which it kind of connects back to the fact that prior to the Reformation, the world was Catholic, and Protestants don't even question why that is. And when they ever do, they they make the claims, oh, the Catholic Church persecuted all the Christians that evangelized the world and took their place. And um, my first question is, do you have any evidence of this? Um, The best question, the best response I get, oh, they went underground. That is just not a valid response.
0: Um, It's a very illusional. Yeah, they're going against Christ's very words. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. I will build my church. God did not fail in the first hundred years of Christianity. You know, the, the the apostles did not lie to their disciples who were Catholic. I mean, to say something like that, you, you would have to really, you know, put, put reason on a back burner. Within the first couple hundred years of Christianity, we have the entire doctrine of the faith written by the church fathers, you know, a couple hundred years before the Bible was even put together. So to get back on my format, uh, before Paul admonished the Jews in the church for not understanding the fruits of the Spirit uh, in Galatians 5, admonish admonished them for falling back into the Jewish law, while at the same time they're also participating in the Holy Mass, where Christ is crucified before us. Catholics understand this verse because, like I said, we live the sacramental life. We experience the intimate personal relationship in the Eucharist. So every time we go to mass, we contemplate these heavenly realities. Therefore, scripture is open to uh, up to us. This is also why often it often seems like Catholics and Protestants are speaking a different language. Catholics speak from within the spiritual realities they live. Tends to speak through their construct of anti-Catholicism. That was is one of the keys to truly seeing scripture. Therefore. Paul explains that spiritual things need to be spiritual. Paul writes, O oh, of Galatians hath bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been set crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith? So returning to the laws of flesh is contradictory to obedience to the faith including participation in the Holy Mass, the truth, according to Paul, needs to be obeyed. There is no true faith outside of obedience to the faith. So when Paul talks about transforming grace, uh, this is for those outside the sacramental life, of course. If you live the new covenant, you would understand that he even does so in the context of grace given freely, freely of the Holy Mass, which we celebrate in obedience to the faith. So Paul, who told us that the consecrated bread is participating in the body of Christ, and Paul, who explained that if you do not discern the body, you sin against the cross, also said, but even until this day, the veil, is red, the veil is upon their hearts, but when they shall be converted to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So the Eucharist is right in front of us. As it was for the apostles and apostolic church, the true bread of the presence, which always must be before the Father. We fall into its light at every holy mass. We behold the glory of the Lord by looking upon our Lord in the Eucharist through faith and true understanding, not veiled in type. Paul is explaining that this veil has been removed for those in the faith. So we contemplate this divine condescension of Christ which is the ultimate act of humility. It's just completely beyond human understanding, the love and the personal relationship here in the Eucharist. And this is what Paul was beginning to explain in Hebrews 9 when he began to describe the types and heavenly realities. But because this image is so profound and so spiritual and so uh, controversial to Jews who could influence the letter. Paul says, after after just giving a brief understanding of the meeting tent, which is the image of salvation to the church in Christ, he goes, of this it is not now needful to explain in detail. There's nowhere else in Scripture he does so. He does so to the church.
1: Exactly. So we see an ongoing theme of works going along with faith and its completing faith in addition to that, um, it doesn't get any more clear, for example, in the book of Hebrews, where Paul warns you what happens when you fall away from obedience to Christ and you stop doing the works of Christ um hebrews six four six for it is impossible for once for those who once had for them to once again be renewed again for them um, for them re-crucifying Christ um, along those lines. Um,
0: Paul made it yeah, and, very
1: clear in the book of Hebrews that um, if you stop if you stop repenting, when in repentance is a work, and you stop doing the works of Christ, you can fall out of the Holy Spirit.
0: Yes, and Lewis, our time is almost up. we got two minutes left here. So uh, and next week, uh, I want to continue with uh, obedience to, to the authority as obedience to the faith. And I really appreciate your time with me. You are a lifesaver, and I'd like you to lead us I out with a prayer. I apologize for
1: not being better.
0: Um, <laughs> no, go
1: ahead.
0: No, don't don't say that, Lewis. Don't say that. But uh, 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 we'd like to keep John John in our hearts is sick, and I'd like you to lead us out with a prayer.
1: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dear Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. We ask you that you descend upon us with all the loves and grace of Christ, the Son and God the Father. Please watch out for our brother John for his health. Please protect him and continue to use him as a tool as well as us in spreading your ministry and spreading your gospel and spreading the glory of your church. Help us to be charitable to our, um, to those who have left your church and to show them with grace and love that it is only through your church that you get the fullness of the truth and you get um, to experience you, Jesus Christ, who, are, who is our only Savior. Please heal John in any way that is impeding him in his health and please heal those who have for one reason or another gotten a fake perception of the Catholic Church and allowed them to return to the Church you created. Forgive Thank us for you. anything. Um, forgive us for oh. any sins that we have trespassed against you. In um, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: I, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't want to cut you off, but we only got like 20 seconds left. Thank you very much, uh, your lifesaver, Lewis, and God bless.
1: God bless you, too.